Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome back, y'all. Welcome back to Awkward Sex in the City. Have I tried to record this intro multiple times? Yes. Yes, I have. And now there's a car going by. You cannot escape the sounds of New York City ever, no matter where you are. I mean, you probably can, but I have not tried my hardest, and that's on me. That's on me. Um, How are you doing? What is life? How? 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 That's the question of the week. How? Um, y'all, this is a great episode. I really, really like this episode. Um, this episode's about friendship. Truly. This episode's about friendship. Um, its importance, how it, you know, defines us, how how we treat it, what it means, what happens when we lose it. And I just find it to be like a really important episode. You know, I think we're finally starting to understand or give more attention to how important platonic relationships are. And I think for a long time you know, we were taught the goal is romantic relationships. Like that's the end all be all. And as I've gotten older, as we've gotten older, I think we're just starting to see why that's not the case and why they're needed. And then what happens with friendships that go awry because of romantic shit too. And so my guest today, Gabe Malika, is doing a solo show at Edinburgh as well. Um, it's a show about friendship and it is about a love triangle well, when he was younger of his best friend ultimately, you know, gets with his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend. I mean, not in a cheating way, like the timelines add up, if that makes sense, but just like how that is. And then to go more and more into male friendship, hetero-male friendship, compared to like female-hetero-female friendship. And just like all friendships, uh, not to like put specific things on each friendship but it was a really interesting conversation i can't wait to see his show and if you are in new york city you should go see it at 59 east 59th theaters july 27th through the 31st and if you're in edinburgh you should go see it there too and there's a chance in canada as well um so please enjoy this episode and then go see a show of gabe's a show about friendship Thank you for coming. Also, I forgot to ask, you have a show coming to Edinburgh too, right? Oh, are you doing French? I'm doing it for my first time this August. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I started comedy in Edinburgh. I did the French in 2019. Um, it's the best. It's like the Olympics of stand-up comedy in that all the English-speaking comedians, America, Canada, Ireland, all, the, all over the UK, Australia, come together and do shows and so you'll, you'll see a bunch of crazy stuff you'll do your show are you doing the full run i am gonna do a full run i think i have two days off but doing the full yeah. run same same i took two days off this year uh where are you doing it where's your bank? i'm doing just the uh, just the caves just the tonic at just the caves yeah i know exactly where that is yeah how about you i did just the tonic last year at the mash house and this year i'm at bar 50 which is a f- free festival venue mm-hmm. and mine's at one o'clock and then I'm I'm hosting a show every night at 11 p.m. in the same venue. Oh so shit! So double duty. Yeah. I, I've heard. <laughs> I mean, I've never done it, but I've heard they're like, if you do two shows, like you're like dead at the end of all of it. Yeah, I was dead doing one show. Oh my god. So, but it'll be fun, and I'll have some cash coming in, so that'll be nice. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm expecting to just like lose a buttload of money. That's exactly what I did the first time. Like truly, like. I've made every mistake you could make. You learn as you go. And now I like the second time I feel a lot more confident, but like, you kind of have to, you kind of just have to go and, and you learn like after three days, I was like, Oh my God, I know so much about how to French. Um, are you doing, are you previewing the show in New York anywhere? 
So, no, because it's basically just my monthly show. Oh, oh. I see, I see. Oh, and no, I didn't make that clear at all. Um, I'm so in, I'm so intrigued though. Like, what were the mistakes that you were like, oh, I shouldn't have done this? Well, what time is your show? So it is a bad time slot from what I've been told. It's during like prime time. So it's 8.40 every day. Oh, I mean, I don't think that's like, I think that's fine. Oh, okay. Like, I was 11 p.m. and it was dead. Oh, okay. Like, you'll be fine. And And it's like, it's you, you're host, so it's like you're gonna have storytellers go up every day, like you're booking a show every day. So basically, it's gonna kind of be a mix. The I the, so the, the show tours in this um in America, but not everyone that's on the tour could afford it. So like I'll be doing the full run, but then some people will come on to do like a week or two weeks. So sometimes it'll be oh, just me. Sometimes it'll be two or three of us. So kind of have to be. The the hard thing is I'm gonna have to have like three different shows ready, uh, depending on yeah, who's yeah. on because of time. Um, so yeah. that I'm a little nervous about. But I was told like the eight to nine p.m. slot was bad because then you're going against like the real heavy hitters. But oh, who knows? That's like true and also not true. Like in the sense that like the the like Kat Cohen won Best Newcomer in 2019. Her show was at 11 p.m. Okay. But for me, 11 p.m. was like an awful time because it wasn't in like people had gone home. So it kind of just depends and it's kind of all chance. So I would, I would rather have that time than one in the morning when you're like, Oh, I won't be competing with anybody. It's like, yeah, people are sleeping. That is true. Yeah. I think that's a perfect time. Truly. Okay. Cool. You know, a lot of foot traffic for sure. Yeah. Right now. So like, I don't know about you, but right now the hardest part is like today in New York city, it's fucking gorgeous. And I just want to be outside, but it's my day off. So before we talked, I was doing like press research and after we record, oh, yeah. I'll do press research and just be like staring outside the window, being like wanting to come out and realizing this will be yeah. my Friday for the next like eight weeks, basically. Yeah. 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 Well, I can, I can help you a little bit with that. Like there's some like sample press releases that are really helpful and at least it's formatted like all the big ones. And then they give you the media contact list. I was so bad at that. I did not know how to play the game in 2019. Oh, there's a media so contact like the list. Fringe, yeah, the Fringe will send it out to you. I think they may have already. Oh, um, shit, okay. And then you just email those people directly with your little press kit. Okay. And then that's kind of all you can do. Yeah, oh my God. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's going to cha- change your life. <laughs> yeah, I've been on Twitter being like searching Ed Fringe reviews and just like pulling people and like DMing people that like do um, reviews and shit. So a whole mm-hmm. fucking list would be way easier. Oh my god, thank a you. A list is great. Then you just email them. Like you put together like a couple page packet. Like like in 2019, I I did not play the game like the media game at all. I was just like, it was more per- the show's about Edinburgh and all that shit. And so I was for me, it was more personal. And that I was just like, I just want to do the show in Edinburgh. It was kind of a full circle moment for me. It was more personal than it was career oriented. Mm-hmm. And now this time I'm like, oh, now I want a lot of people to see it. So I have I have a PR person who's not like exorbitantly expensive. She like works with comedians. And so I like know a little bit more. But also like what she's doing is not like um she's just sending an email on my behalf. Like you could in theory, you could like make make up for your own person and send it. But also like I know a lot of people that didn't have a PR person. Sent, made a four-page PDF, sent it out to the media list, and you're good to go. So I think yeah. you'll be fine. Awesome. Oh, my God. Well, okay. I'm so excited to see your show when we, and and when you host uh, at 11. Otherwise, like, how is life? How is... I? I You're one of my favorite types of guests because, like, I know nothing about you. And those are always <laughs> my favorite episodes because it's, like, such an open book situation. Sure. And just yeah, well, I, I don't know a ton about you and your show either, so I'll have questions too. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, we, we can talk about it. I started comedy in Scotland um, after college. It's kind of what the show's about. I was in like a love triangle with like my best friend and my girlfriend. Oh. And then we broke up, and then they got together, and then I became a comedian. It's sort of like the the hard pitch of what the show is. But the, re- the show really is more about my relationship with the guy than it is the relationship with the girl. Are you um, still friends with them? Like, when did this happen? Yeah. This happened in 20, New Year's 2015. Okay. Turning 2015. So, no, no, we're not friends. Uh, Last I heard, they were engaged. But yeah, I mean, the show is really about, it's it's morphed into a show about, I literally are calling it a show about friendship in that it's a show where I kind of like dissect male friendship a little bit Mm -hmm. and the way men make friends. And I'm talking to a social scientist right now who like studies male friendship. So like I'm trying to like 
build up that because there's a narrative part of the story obviously right there's a plot but also uh you know you're a storyteller you know like there's a lot more that you could include besides just like what happens and so i'm trying to have some gabe's analysis gabe's treatise on what friendship is uh yeah so like that's kind of what i'm working i'm working with director it's like kind of like a whole it's a whole ordeal um but i it's funny i started comedy wanting to do solo shows mm-hmm. and a lot of people like Berbiglia, Samanaj, Jackie Novak, like all of them like worst comedians for like a long time, 10 years sometimes. And then were like, they swerved, they merged over two lanes and became storytellers and solo show people. But I started comedy and was like swerving 10 lanes, trying to like learn how to write jokes, build up material. And also I'm like, oh, I know I want to tell stories. And it's a very, it's, it's an interesting place to be because I knew I was at open mics, like, oh, I'm working on this material, but I know one day, it's just going to be patter or uh, interstitials for long stories. And I, I don't know if I'd recommend it. I think like it's probably easier to do stand-up for 10 years and just learn how to write jokes and do club sets and then be like, oh, I'll connect it into a story. Um, but that's kind of like how I got started with it. Because I, like, I just like being told the story. Those are my favorite comedians. Oh, same. Um, I kind of had a very similar path in that no love triangle that I'm aware of just yet. <laughs> Never too late, for My favorite comedians are always like the storytellers, like Mike Birbiglia. Mm-hmm. John Mulaney tells a lot of stories. He does like a good Best. mix. Um, and so, like, I don't know if you feel the same way. I sometimes feel like I get a little pushback from actual stand-ups when I'm like, "Hey, I'd like to do your set." When they know it's going to be a like a story, but it's like, but it's fucking funny. Like it's good. It just yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. like joke punchline, joke punchline, we're going to have like an actual like narrative, like ebb and flow. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that also kind of pushed me into doing like a lot of my own shit, like awkward sex was just kind of like, that's like where I started where I was like, I want this show where I know I can tell a story. I have complete control and other people can tell Mm -hmm. stories. Um, cause that's just what I always wanted to do as well. Yeah. But I do also start, I'm starting to feel like the storytellers are kind of having a resurgence again. Um, I I also feel like the moth kind of gave us a bad rep. (laughs) In some ways, for sure. A little bit. Yeah. It was like, it's a little too tongue in cheek, a little too like, we need to learn something from the story. It's like, no, this is what mm-hmm. happened. And this is why I want to tell it. Um, oh my God. I have so many questions about like male friendship too. Like, <laughs> I love this idea for a story. I have so many questions. If you don't mind me like pestering you about no, no. the love triangle. Absolutely. Because I am very fascinated by male friendship, um, especially hetero male friendship, because it is like I um, my fiance will go out with his friends that like some of them he's known since like high school or college. And he's it's like 20 plus years. And I'll be like, what'd you guys talk about? Like, what'd you do? And he'll be like, we Nothing. just, we just did Simpson bits. And I was like, you, yeah. cause like, you haven't seen this person in months. You know, sh- they're like, shit's going on with like, you know, their family, like you, and you weren't like, Hey, like, how are you? What's up? And he was like, no, I no. just, we just quoted no. this movie a lot. And it's like, okay, like, uh, that's, and like, that's yeah. how they seem to like recharge and regroup in a way. Like it is kind of special. Totally. And when we do have a heart to heart, men are like, we're like, whoa! Remember that time we like really talked? Mm-hmm. Like it's like in a like it's a thing we remember because it happens so rarely. That's the thing I noticed with my mom and my sister. Like, oh my god, you saw Nick! Like, how does Nick feel about being an uncle? And I'm like, we didn't talk about how he feels about <laughs> being an uncle. Like, what do you think we do? We we didn't talk about we don't talk about anything. And I and I say that very lovingly. Like one of the lines I wrote yesterday was like, we talk about retired athletes, dead comedians, and was the third thing the third thing was the joke um whatever it was like i was just like i was literally like trying to like meditate on this idea of like we don't we don't talk about anything but we still we still need each other and so from a sociological perspective i'm this like dr greif this guy i'm talking to he always talks about male friendships typically are shoulder to shoulder meaning it's men playing an activity um and like not looking at each other. Uh-huh. So it's like poker or TV or video games and women typically in friendship. And again, like there's exceptions to everything. It's, it's very gendered and he's very aware of that also. But it's like in general, women prefer face-to-face friendship where it's like, hey, let's go sit down and have a glass of wine. And the activity is each other. Where for men, the activity is anything else. The thing. Um, oh my God. Yeah. And so kind of my story is about how like when I made this friend, 
I, for the first time, I had somebody in my life who like wasn't like that. Like we were face to face friends, uh, and how important that was, and how I didn't really fit in with totally with my music theater friends, and I didn't fit in totally with like my straight bro idiot friends. Like I was in the middle, and so it was hard to find somebody who was also like that. Who also like I felt like I belonged in both of those places, but not totally. Like they neither group could see like totally who I was. And when you make a friend like that who kind of like transcends that a little bit, you're like, wow, this is really special. And then there's the betrayal on top of that. But it's like, well, where do I go from there? Uh, is kind of like what the show's about. Yeah, that's deep. That's deep and heavy. It's something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's so like it's just so interesting because like everything you're saying is so true. Like the the face to face, the event is you if you're uh, you know, normally for like female friendships. But I'll say like I'll definitely say that like I've learned so much from Aaron, my fiance. Like he has a shit ton of friends that love him a lot. And it's not a superficial friendship. It's like definitely more, even if it is just like Simpson bits. But I've learned from him how to invest in a relationship in a way that I didn't in the past where like I have like mm. a few really good friends that we could go like months without talking or months without seeing each other and be fine and like pick up right where we are, where he is like way more um, like yesterday. He's a teacher. And yesterday he went to go see like our friend perform. He's a DJ in like Ridgewood at like 11 p.m. And he was like, it's going to suck because I'm going to be tired tomorrow. But like, I want to see Melton perform. So he did that, right? Like he went out and made, and I was like, I'm going to sleep. Like, that's so sweet of you, <laughs> but I'm going to sleep. But he does, and like people really notice that. And a thing I've noticed he's also doing too is, uh, especially with his male friends, he's trying to say, I love you more to them and, oh, nice. and hugging them more. Like if you ever get hugged by him, which you'll, he's coming to Edinburgh too, so you will probably meet him. I'll take him to your show. Sign me up for a hug, yeah. Um, and he like, he's just so good at just being like, talking to you, finding something to connect with, and then like making you feel good in the conversation. Even though mm. in his like really close friendships too, it's like Simpson bits and like video games. So it's a very weird, like he's a great friend. It's just very interesting to watch, still not the feelings we talked about, but also watching him be like, I want to hug my, my male friends and then not feel weird about it and feel good. And I want to say, I love you to them because I do love yeah. them. Like it's, yeah. I feel like he's trying to kind of get out of that, like um, norm for man on man friendship. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's, I mean, I can see why you're marrying him, but makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah. He's, he's a great fucking guy. Uh, love <laughs> I talk about him all the time on the podcast. I feel like I talk about him too much with, <laughs> so with your friend um, that unfortunately now not friends with anymore, how yeah. long had you been friends? We had, so it was more like, um, it was less longevity and more like, so I guess we met sophomore year of college, first day of classes. And then this ended like our friendship kind of ended, I guess the, the December after graduating college. So it was a couple of years, mm -hmm. but like once we became friends, we lived together. We, uh, we did everything. We stayed up, like I described in the show, we would stay up really late in a classroom, just like debating and watching youtube videos and hanging out every night like that was for us that was college it wasn't there were some parties for sure but it was the weeknights staying up till four in the morning just like yelling at each other about stupid stuff and having fun and then he brought me to this camp that you know we i do stories about which is i worked at a camp for kids with illnesses and that's a really bonding experience like i've never been in the army and i was never on like a varsity sports team but it, it feels very communal in that sense in that you're unified. There's this really important purpose. It's very sacred. You're helping kids with illnesses like have fun. And for me, there's no sort of more pure way to spend your time. And so when you work there as a young person and your best friend brings you there because he had worked there for a long time, it's like a real honor. And so we, we were kind of like brothers in arms at camp a little bit. And so our relationship was like, it's not necessarily that we were, oh, we were friends for 20 years. It was like, we were friends for three and a half years and they were really intense. Like as close as you two people could be, basically. Absolutely. Did you have any inkling that he was into your girlfriend? Oh, for, for sure. Oh, for sure. oh. It would be like hard to miss. Yeah, I would have had to have been like really oblivious to not notice. But I also, so like we, we started dating a camp and then I fly to Scotland to start teaching and we're doing long distance. And so I leave camp early. And so there's like a couple of weeks where like, they're just there without me. Uh -huh. And so I describe in the show, like, kind of like <laughs> when you just like checking my white iPhone four for pictures and I'm like, who's there? Who's at these parties? You know? Cause like you're just out of the loop. 
and how difficult that was and kind of isolating. And it's like, you're seven hours ahead. I'm 22 years old. I'm supposed to be starting my life, but I'm basically living on the Wi-Fi, seeing what my friends from home are doing. It was, it was a pretty miserable time. I think like, like it's the totality of that year that kind of creates a comedian where it's just like, I mean, truly like I started comedy after all that happened. We can get into it. But like I started comedy after all that happened, basically not for the shows, but for the days where, oh, I could get a notebook sit in a coffee shop for five hours, listen to podcasts and write. And it just like, it was just something to fill my days. Mm-hmm. Like it was just a thing that was outside of me that I could comment on and make jokes about and make things feel less bad. You know, like it, it wasn't necessarily like, oh, I just want to hang with comedians all the time because I didn't know anybody. It was literally like, I started from a place of wanting to write and tell stories. Um, and so that's why in 2019, when I went back to Fringe, that's why I wasn't too concerned about like PR or like my press kit or whatever. I was like, I just need to tell the story. And now, you know, I'm 30. Like I've been doing this a little bit longer now. I'm doing comedy. I guess I started at 23, but like not really, you know, but like in theory, like, I've been doing it a while. Um, and so now I'm trying to like, now I just want more people to see my ideas, you know? Oh, absolutely. It's, um, It's hard, right? So, like, I moved to New York City. I think it was, like, I think I turned 23. Uh, Also probably waited a year to truly start comedy. But I was doing a long-distance thing, which is, like, really hard to explain because we never were official with a person that Mm -hmm. lived in Kansas. And I was not even from Kansas. And and it just, when you were talking about that, feeling, like, so alone and being, like, you know, glued to your phone. I remember just being glued to my phone for that first year Mm -hmm. in New York City. And I felt like I wasted my whole first year of, like, the city that I had dreamed of moving to for years. And I'm assuming it kind of felt the same way in Scotland, too, of just, like, you're doing something that people are going to be so envious of. But you're kind of still, for me at least, like, the general you or general me, um, you're still, there's there's something scary about making that plunge or taking that jump. So you're like grasping onto anything that felt normal in like your previous life, but like, like before comedy, after comedy, like BC, or if that makes sense. (laughs) No, no, no. I I mean, I was, I was not ready to, I didn't want my life to start. I was literally in a new place on a new continent, in a new time zone, living an old life from a phone. Like it was miserable. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And once you're like away from that and you see like, you know, now years removed from that situation, it's like, oh, that was so dumb. Uh, but you see what it is. You're just like, again, like generally, you like you were like you were scared to start because there's so much failure in it. At least like for me, it was like I was just scared to start. I was scared to put myself out there. You don't know any comedians. You have to start doing improv. You've never like done, been an improviser before. You have to fail yeah. in front of people repeatedly. And, you know, you want something, let alone even bring like dating into it or like love into it. You just want to feel like safe and secure. And so, you, mm-hmm. yeah, so you do these things you like grasp onto. For me, a boy that I was in love with in high school and like didn't even really start talking to until after college and being like, this can mm-hmm. work. Like we can make this long distance thing work. This will be fine. Um, yes, and obviously yes. it doesn't. And it like implodes in your face. And then you have like a year of like heartbreak. Uh, but then that brings yeah. out some good material at least. Then you're like willing, ready to start. It's true. It's true. And you also like to believe like it's a relationship, like I'll speak for myself, to, to believe that type of relationship could have worked is complete delusion. Mm-hmm. Like to be 22. Like I was completely delusional. And then like, I, in some ways, like I kind of just like transferred that to comedy because you also have to be kind of delusional to think you can do stand up. Oh my god, a hundred percent. And so it was, it was like, but it was like a much more healthy delusion, you know, like in some ways less stunted because like everybody who's doing something creative in their twenties and thirties, like or whatever, whatever age, you have to be like a little delusional. And so it took like I, I'm, I'm a big believer that our strengths and our weaknesses are basically the same thing, um, in the sense that like. Yeah, like there are times when I'm delusional about my own life and like there are times when it really costs me and I'm in a relationship that I shouldn't be in and that ended up causing me immense sadness. But also that delusion is the thing that allows me to get up on stage however hundreds of times a year. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I, think, I think it comes from the same place, whether it's good or bad, I, it depends. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a really good point, especially like the stunted part. It was like, yeah, this delusion... This is a good, healthy delusion. This is like a not healthy delusion. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think those are very good like things to point out and make me feel better about my journey in the whole situation okay. too. And you're good. right. Good. Like I've only known one long distance relationship to work and they were older too. Like they were older. Um, they started together, then moved away and then got back to like, then moved back together. Um, and it's o- like only one time. And even the guy that like, I was like sort of dating was like, I've done this before. This is not going to work. Like, this isn't gonna work and i was like but like what if it did like what if we (laughs) what if we tried with your solo show about male friendship is like what's the tone is it hopeful is it is it hopeful um that's a great i think it's (laughs) yes i do i do think it's hopeful I think in some ways I start to talk about friendship a little bit more like we talk about relationships. That's an idea I'm kind of playing with. We're like, I've also dated people who I love dearly, who I'm not with right now. And I have, even though I don't talk to them all the time, I still have like a reverence for them. And I don't think we talk about friendship in the same way. Um, where usually when you stop being friends with somebody, it's kind of like uncomfortable or, or weird. And in the same way, with Tim, like I feel, um, like I feel a kinship to him. Like he like changed my life in, in demonstrable ways that made me a better person. And like, no, we're not friends anymore. And like, yeah, kind of flamed out in like a blaze of glory, but also like, that's okay. Like plenty of people, like it was, it was almost like a divorce, you know, it's like, yeah, do you love your first husband? It's like, yeah, I love him. Like we just should not be together. <laughs> well, people also don't talk about the grief of a friendship breakup. Like there is like oh, actual yeah. grief. <laughs> I was so sad that I, I had a spring break where I could have flown anywhere in Europe and I flew to Poland <laughs> <laughs> and I, <laughs> I toured the concentration camps alone. <laughs> I was like Santorini, Rome. <laughs> I was like Paris. I was like, no, I need to go to Auschwitz. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, it was probably I'm very. I'm not even Jewish. <laughs> it, I was probably very informative. It was probably super informative. But it was also, you know what? Honestly, like that's really, really funny, and I hope that's in your show. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's also probably like exactly what you needed, like to be like in such a sad place. And it was so, it's so dramatic. It's like, well, clearly this is sadder than my life. It, like my yeah. life's so small. Like there are human atrocities, you know, like it makes you feel, it makes you feel kind of silly for caring about your own silly things. So like in a weird way, it put things into perspective, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, it was, it was very silly. <laughs> I honestly probably would have done the same thing. I, I'm such a dark person in a lot of ways. And I would have totally been like, oh, yeah, I don't want to be on a fucking beach right now. Like in Lisbon, I want to be. I want to be experiencing like death. Like I want to see like that terrible atrocity. Cause it's so, it's so different to like read it in a textbook or like a Wikipedia page. Uh, but to mm-hmm. see it to like IRL. Yeah. That would totally be something I would need it to like jolt myself out of like myself for a second, for sure. Totally. Totally. And like, it's, it's, it's a thing that everybody should do. Mm-hmm. And it really, at no point while I was over there too, was I like, what the hell am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Like, it just like, I, I flew over there. I was so dumb. I flew over there with i didn't know that they had a currency exchange like poland has their own money they don't use the euro oh i didn't know that so, so i get over there and i have all these euros <laughs> and they're like yeah like like this meal is like 80 dollars. and i was like what it's like pierogi and then i was like oh they use zloty which is like a four to one conversion so i was like oh you have to divide everything by four and i was like oh that makes a lot more sense <laughs> for like the price of pierogi and beer you know <laughs> Um, and it, I still have Zloty in my wallet because I carry it around. Cause I'm like, Oh, like you should just carry around a reminder that like you're an idiot. And <laughs> you don't know anything. And sometimes you just have to like fly to a new country and learn like, Oh yeah, like, I'm behind. I didn't do the simple act of Googling. I'm like, they're in Europe. The Euro sounds like European money. I'll just do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe that should be in the show, actually. Yeah, I think about it. That's kind of interesting. That's really funny. I really like the line, <laughs> carry, uh, um, carry, is it called a Slavic? What's it called again? Uh, it's called a Zloty. Zloty. Uh, to remind myself I'm an idiot. That's a really funny line. <laughs> but I also like, yeah. I just love being humbled in another country. 
Uh, oh yeah. Like I just oh sometimes God. you just fucking need that. Like I uh one time we were like in Argentina and like I just I just can't roll my R's. I can't speak any foreign uh-huh. language. And I was like, Bano, can I go to the where is the Bano? And I was like, Oh no. You just yeah. you have that smile from the person being like, mm, you very dumb American. And you're like, I'm try- I yeah. promise I'm trying. I'm trying yeah, they do not care about trying at all. I remember ordering a sandwich in Paris mm-hmm. and I ordered in French and then they like asked me a follow-up question and I was just like I don't the, the ham sandwich I'm sorry I don't know the croque and, monsieur like, the, please yes yeah the eye roll I got was like so big I was like oh that's what you get for trying like the French do not want you to try <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh what is probably the most humbling experience in Scotland that you dealt with uh, besides being like in a like an actual heartbreak and a friendship heartbreak yeah it was really it was it was hard like and it was literal cultural things that would make me feel like isolated. Like I would, I would be out. So I was 22 years old. I was teaching 18 year olds and all the teachers were their thirties and forties. So there's just nobody for me to hang out. And so I would go sometimes we'd go on a field trip and I remember getting updates, like little like sports updates, like Derek Jeter was retiring at that time, mm-hmm. the Yankees. And I'm not even a Yankees fan, but I just like get this update where I'm like, Oh, like Derek Jeter had this like cute, had this huge hit. In his final hit of his career and i like looked up from my phone and there's just like 10 adults who have no idea what i'm talking about and i remember being like oh like this feels bad <laughs> like this this is not just like that feeling of oh nobody like they speak english but they do not speak my language mm-hmm. it was kind of isolating um and then like little things like they would put corn on pizza like there was all these like little reminders that i was i i was in a place that wasn't hostile to me but was just different mm-hmm. and and i didn't like ma- like i had friends kind of but i didn't really actively try to hang out with them like i spent a lot of time alone for the first time in my life mm-hmm. you know up until then it was high school and college and i was a musician and i i did all these social activities like i had never been alone before with my own thoughts let alone be alone while my life my love life is imploding while my biggest friendship is imploding like it was a, I think there's a reason I'm still talking about it. Yeah, um, it's a very, it's a very monumental moment in your life for sure. Because that was accidental too, right? To be alone while that shit, like while shit was hitting the fan, like that wasn't planned, right? To be, to be like in Scotland, you mean, or just like? Yeah, to be like in Scotland alone while then everything starts, and then everything starts hitting, like shitting him, shit hitting the fan with like uh, Tim and your girlfriend. Yeah, like didn't have time really to like adjust because it was like the fall mm-hmm. and I'm missing camp and and we're trying to date long distance and then we break up in like November and then they got together in December and then he told he told me in person uh, New Year's Eve in Scotland and mm-hmm. so like it was just like a half school year basically. Mm-hmm. of my life imploding with this big crescendo with literal fireworks and then it was six months of what do you do now you know yeah god even just talking about it now i'm like oh my goodness what a year what a way to start adulting yeah because i'd never been anywhere i sometimes think it's good to get like that shit done like the like that first like year in your 20s like i i i i've definitely like seen people where they're like i have everything figured out at like 24 with my boyfriend blah 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 and i'm like this is not gonna last and you're gonna get hit in the face at like 27 28 and it's gonna feel like the first half of your eight like 80s the first half of your 20s was like a waste and it wasn't it wasn't a waste but -hmm. it's just gonna wreck you so bad that you're not gonna be able to see that right away so I kind of liked like getting it done like in like 23, 24 and then one other quick like really bad relationship. I think in 25, I was 25 or 26 and then I was like, okay, you've done all that dumb shit. Now let's focus on you. Let's focus on like what you need and go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who am I? What do I like? How do I want to spend my all this alone time? Yeah. You know, you learn. You like build your personality for the first time. Exactly. Like, like create a character. Like who the fuck are you? Absolutely. Because I saw this great meme that was like, you never knew who you were because you had like your parents defining you and your friends around you defining you until you were like truly alone. And I was like, holy shit. Oh, that's me for sure. For sure. Oh yeah. When he told you on New Year's, like what was your initial reaction? 
Because I, honestly, in my opinion, that's a little manipulative manipulative on his part because you're, it sounds like you're at a party. So you can't fully act honest or have an honest reaction. So we were, we like hung out and it was like a weird couple of days. Like he was staying around the corner with our mutual friend and not with me. And I was like, that's kind of weird. And then we went out New Year's and we went to the casino and we lost and we like walked back to my flat at like three, four in the morning. And we kind of like sit down in the kitchen and he tells me, and I had like logistical questions. Mm -hmm. And then like, I, I yelled for like two seconds and he's like, he's like, we're not going to do that. And I was like, that makes sense. Like, <laughs> I actually don't want to yell at you. And then like, we just kind of like talked and he was like, basically explained like it wasn't cheating. Like you guys had broken up then we got together. Mm -hmm. So like the timeline worked out. Right. Like, so I don't have to go all detective on it, but in retrospect, the thing that stands out to me is that I like to think that if he had been like, hey, like, I think I like her. I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I think I would have said, I like to think I'm the person who would have been like, oh, man, then you should date her. Like, I don't want to hold you back. Like, we're best friends. Mm -hmm. Instead of being like, hey, we're together and we're not sorry about. It. Yeah. The way that it was communicated kind of took all the, um, like, everyone likes control, right? Everyone likes to feel like they get their mm -hmm. part. And so if they had reached out to you in the way that you had um, preferred, it feels like you're kind of given control a little bit of a scenario. Yes. As opposed to being like, hey, he, my dick's bigger than yours. Good luck <laughs> with your life. I'm like, oh, I, I guess I kind of still want to be your friend as opposed to a place where it's like, hey, like, I know this is going to upset you, but like, I think I want to date this person and I just need to tell you that. And like, I think, I think that I like to think the person I am would have been okay with that. But the kind of like being steamrolled by that mm. is a is a kind of difficult thing to deal with. Oh, absolutely. And like it like ruined my life. Like I I this, the way the story goes in the show is that like the next day I got drunk and did stand up for the first time. <laughs> um, and so it's like a yeah, it was like a Mrs. Maisel but bad. <laughs> and then from there, it's like after that happens, like then you just like start. I, I literally just bought notebooks, and I'd never drank coffee before. I wasn't a coffee shop person, but like every day I just start going, I'm walking around the city, listening to comedy podcasts and writing. Uh, and it's basically like what I've been doing since. Like I basically then spent my twenties doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, so it was intimate. And so your initial question was like, how did you react? Like I reacted with curiosity and then anger. And then before he left, I gave him a hug. Um, and I made a joke like I, we, he had lost so much money and he was always talking about like I don't have a lot of money right now and so I was like hey right before he left I said do you have enough money and he goes yeah I can get home and I said no no that's not what I mean you're gonna pay for my therapy and <laughs> the show like that was my first joke <laughs> and so yeah that's kind of like the the plot of it um, the show is obviously like more than just like what happens mm -hmm. But that's kind of like the, the broad strokes of it. Oh, wow. When did it kind of fall apart? Like, because it sounds like y'all end this trip or his trip, trip to Scotland, his the New Year's trip on good mm -hmm. terms. I mean, it, we, we like only hugged, but like we were not friends anymore. Like oh. I was kind of like, goodbye. Oh, okay. And, and then here's the thing. So then afterwards, we still worked at that camp. And so the next summer we worked together. Oh, and wow. And like, there's like, there's like follow-up conversations where basically he was like, well, you were the one being possessive and like basically like turning it on me. And I was just like, we had that conversation. And then I was just like, okay, like we'll be friendly, but like, we're not friends. Mm -hmm. Like this person does not feel bad and does not uh, like care about me in the way I need to be cared about mm -hmm. by the people I, by the person I thought was the most important friend of my life. Like that standard is not being met. And so we just like to kind of stopped being friends. And then at one point he asked me to hang out again. And I was just like, nah, man, I'm, I'm not interested. Yeah. Um, and that's like the true ending of kind of like the friendship. Like since that moment when I, he texted me and then like two days later I emailed him, like the friendship's been over. What was the worst fallout or like betrayal? The ex-girlfriend or him? Oh, him for sure. Yeah. Like, and she is like, a fine person and like i don't really have much ill will towards her because like in some ways like she didn't owe me as much mm -hmm. you know and i didn't know her as much 
um, that like we'd gotten together that summer and it was like a however long relationship and I wish her well and I wish them both well but like for me I mean there's a reason it's a show about friendship but it's not a show about my crazy ex-girlfriend you know like mm-hmm. it's not like that it's more like my like what do we owe what do we owe each other as as male friends and why is male friendship so important and what happens when it goes wrong and can you is it enough to value like my idiot friends that I see now are they like enough you know mm-hmm. um is like a thing that I'm thinking about and it's also funny to, to do the show so I'm doing the show I'm doing two weeks at the Winnipeg Fringe so I'm doing nine shows there and then I'm doing the show five times uh at 59 East 59th Street in July oh nice okay at, so I'll do last week of July I'll do the show five days in a row and then I have 20 however many shows in Edinburgh so in some ways like the show is like really just getting started mm-hmm. in the sense that um like there's like the ending, like I'm still working on jokes in the first third, let alone like the emotional payoff of the third act. And so it's funny to even just like have this conversation. I'm like, oh, this is really helpful. And I'm going to listen back to the podcast and, and, and hear myself say things and be like, oh, that should be in the show. Even like the, the Poland stuff is like a thing that I have in a, in a comment on a Google doc, but it's not actually in the show yet. But I'm like, oh, that's really funny. Like that should be in. So th- what it would be just all to say, like, this is helpful and the show is incomplete, but it will not be incomplete short because i just like who gets 35 shows to do their 35 hours to do their solo show you know it's like a big privilege oh. to get to do it that much yeah uh, so it'll it'll get better <laughs> i mean Ari sounds great i'm super excited to see it um and if oh, i'm in town you. in july though is it the last week in july that you're doing it at 59th street last week of july at 59th street yeah it's the okay. um the 27th to the 31st okay um, wednesday thursday friday at 6 30 saturday sunday at 4 30 um and then edinburgh obviously i'll see you a bunch yeah absolutely and we'll go to shows and it'll be great oh man i'm so excited i'm very excited to see who's like coming to my i did have another question a friendship question have you found a male friend that was as like transcendent as tim so the answer is not in that way Mm -hmm. But also, like, I don't know if that way is the only way to have friends. Like, the friends I have now, I love them dearly, and they're very important to me. Mm-hmm. But they're not, like, with Tim, it was like, it was like falling, you know, like, those those romantic relationships where you, like, you fall in love really quickly, and you hook up a, you hook up a lot, and you're like, this is what love is. Like, this is the only thing that love is. And then... It, it kind of fades out as quickly as it happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like that bell curve where it's like, and then crashing down. And now my friendships are a little bit more steady. Um, like I don't have any fears that my friends now would, would do that to me in the same way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like it's, it, I feel like I'm talking, I talk about my friends, like I, like a married person talks about like, yeah, I met this woman and like, we're in love with each other and it's, it's just more stable. And like, I found love and stability and trust and um, long-termness of it, as opposed to like, yeah, like we hook up six times a day and we go to diners at noon and it's not, it's not quote unquote real. Not that those, those, cause I've had romantic relationships where I'm like, this is the most important thing ever. And then it fades out really quickly. And I feel I'm, I'm left kind of like abandoned. I feel like I would analogize the friendship to, to that type of romantic relationship. So are my friends now the same as Tim? No. But in some ways, I, I like to think they're better. Um, yeah. Even, even albeit less exciting and less on paper like, oh, this person should get every different part of me. It's like, I don't know if your friends need to get every single part of you. I think they can f- fill a certain need uh, or niche in your life and be that, be that Simpsons person for you um, or be that person you talk, talk about weird high school people with. I think that's in a lot of ways enough. And you, um, you said, I think it was like dramatic too, or, um, I can't remember the word you said is. And I think it's a perfect example too, of like, uh, romantic relationships too, of how like in my early twenties, I thought it had to look like this rom-com of just like highs and lows and the bell curve Mm -hmm. that you like referenced. And now older, you're like, no, it should be in, the least way possible, like boring, you should have, there should be no drama. You should trust them. It should be stable. I mean, not boring in that, like you don't have fun with them. It should be a great time, 
but there's no yeah. drama. Um, and the same with mm-hmm. friends. Like I went through a lot, like a huge like friend change um, thanks to COVID and just other things too, like bad mental health on my part, not communicating all these things. And you learn like, oh, like a friendship, friendships, like platonic relationships and romantic relationships should still hit the same things except basically mm-hmm. like sex. Like it should still be like, this person is stable. This person accepts my boundaries. This is, um, I have fun. I don't feel bad about myself afterwards hanging out with this person or feel like depleted. And mm-hmm. I like to think, and especially now hearing about your show, I like to think that the importance of the maintenance and just a friendship alone, like a, that our, our platonic relationships are being treated and like maintained in the same way that like our platonic relationships are now, I think too, especially for like our generation. I think we see how important it is to not have just like one person in your life and they're your everything. And then you become like codependent. Like you have to have your independence and your other people. And, you know, in a city, I think we really get to experience that in a a way easier way. Like I always wonder about people like in the suburbs that married young and now have two kids. It's like, who do you hang out with besides like, your partner and your kids like that sounds exhausting mentally yeah yeah but i just think mm, i think i'll circle back and say i just think if you are able to take care and like um i want like a planting metaphor like a like just you're just taking care of that like plant you know daily then you'll be able to do that with like romantic relationships as well okay mm-hmm. and i'll end with and i'll end with uh, my rant on just like that they are platonic relationships are just as important, if not more important than a romantic relationship. For sure. For sure. And I used to think friendships, like there's a line, there was a line, I don't know if it's still on the show, I'll have to look, that like friendships are great because they feel like they don't have to end. Mm. But that's not necessarily like why they're important. Like they're just like, they're there for you all the time. And they're in some ways they can be less complicated because you're not cohabitating and you're not raising children with them and you're not, um, in a sexual relationship with them, and so in some ways, like they're 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 simpler, and there's there's beauty in that. Um, that I can text. I have a couple of guy friends that I text every day about. You know, we send links, pictures, whatever memes, and that's like a like a fulfilling, important relationship in my life. And it doesn't need to be like we can't not be in the same room. We have to be with each other at all times, every night. It just, it just feels like my my friendships now are more adult. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, if I look back at like my friendships as kids, I was like, oh, sometimes I kind of sucked. Of course, we all did. Yeah. yeah. And also like I was a military brat. We moved around a lot. So I'd always be like, well, every oh, friendship sure. has like a like an end. I'd be like, because mm-hmm. this was before Facebook and this was before any internet. So it was like you'd get two postcards after you moved and then never hear from that person again, basically. Of course, of course. So maybe that's even where I come from, where like I had a hard time like fostering my my friendships when I got older, but now mm-hmm. having way more experience. Well, it's just like you you mentioned the thing about New York City, where it was like, oh yeah, we have this like mosaic of people, where it's like a whole garden of people, mm-hmm. you know. And like I'll go over see, you know, check on my peaches, and that's those people, and then I'll go check on my you know dandelions over here or whatever it is. I kind of like, I knew immediately as my life was imploding in Edinburgh, I remember being like, oh, I need to move to New York because it's a bigger city and Edinburgh feels too small and there's going to be more opportunities for me to find my people in New York. Mm-hmm. And I've basically been right. Like, I don't, and I don't really think I can live anywhere else. Same. Unfortunately for my bank account. <laughs> I know. I know I'm like begging my job for a raise right now. I'm like, I just come on, inflation. <laughs> But yeah, the same. Like I always tell people too, like for New York, because a lot of people just don't get it, right? Like, like they're they're like, oh, this is too big of a city. This is blah blah blah. This sounds messy and gross, and it smells like trash. Um, and it's like, yeah, it is messy and gross, and smells like trash. But if you've ever not felt seen, or if you've ever not felt like you found like had your your people, then you need to be mm-hmm. in New York City because they're here. For sure, they're all the transplants that were like, I don't feel right in the space before so for you like Mm -hmm. scotland yeah yeah it's it's very funny to fall in love with new york city while living in a place that's far away from it Mm -hmm. um and i remember like being on google maps and i grew up on Long island so like i wasn't that far but i didn't really like know the geography of new york 
So I remember being, I knew like Columbia University was uptown and NYU was downtown because I was a college student. So I was like, I know where the colleges are. Yeah. And I remember being on Google Maps being like, oh, like, okay, Queens is to the right and Brooklyn's down below. And then the Bronx is up top. And like, oh, when I would go to Mets games at a kid, as a kid, we wasn't that far. It was 25. Like, I remember doing all that kind of like learning New York City geography on a Toshiba laptop in Scotland. <laughs> I had a friend recently that was like, Bronx and Brooklyn, they're the same, right? And I was like, no. They're very far. They're very yeah. far. And that, I think people get so mad at you uh, for saying that. Um, yeah. But yeah, even like, not to go geography, but like that like Queens is up, but Brooklyn's down. But then like Rockaways is still Queens because it like circles around. Like I didn't know oh Rockaways God, was Queens yeah. until like maybe four years ago. I definitely thought yeah, it was Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, so no. Very- yeah, once you get out there, it's a lawless place out there. I don't know <laughs> where anything belongs. Oh my god, yeah. Um, this has been an amazing episode. I'm so glad we were able to talk and talk about same. male friendship. Um, what I usually like to do is ask, like right before we stop recording, is if there was anything that we didn't talk about or anything you weren't able to say that you would want to say before we we ended. No, I don't think so. I, I, I we we got to like in some ways I was like. Um, prepared to talk about like awkward hookup moments, mm-hmm. but in some ways, like this is more valuable. Like we're like talking about like friendship and like it's, I don't know. Seems, oh that's yeah, where, that's that's where the conversation led. I like that you rolled with that. That's cool. I that like I I never pitch the podcast well to like new people. I'm like we're just gonna talk. <laughs> um, yeah, because yeah. I think this is a very important podcast that is related to sex. Like friendships are so important um, when it comes mm. to any type of like relationship. Let's and and how they're treated and and your experience with them so i think all people actually really this will really resonate with the people like the subscribers too like i think this will be a great episode i hope so and if you're in new york come see me end of july and if you're in canada come see me in, in the middle of july and then if you're in scotland come see me in scotland amazing that's my pitch what is your show called I never asked the time it's called it's called a show about friendship a show about that's friendship what i call it okay Gabe, show about friendship yeah Fuck yeah. Come check it out. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yay. And again, thank you so much. And yes, I will definitely be coming to your show, if not in New York and Edinburgh, definitely or Edinburgh. Looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Yay. Awesome. All right. We'll talk soon. Yeah. It's nice hanging up here. Guys, thank you so much. Remember to go like, subscribe, download, share all the things on the instas on the socials remember to go follow gabe at gabe Mollica, spelled m-o-l-l-i-c-a on instagram on the socials go see him in new york city at east 59th theaters and then in edinburgh if you're there and then also in canada if you got time and i'll see y'all next week we'll talk more and think about your friendships that's it just friendship go friendship and i will see you next week <laughs>